yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing to say. Morgan, thank you. That was awesome. Beautiful man alive. Keith, slapping the bass. Thank you so much, man. Dan, the man on the keys. Appreciate you, bud. Elder Daniel, man. Um, I tell you, well, bro, bro, best worship team in the country, best worship leader in the country right here, man. I'm telling you, what, dude, thank you more. Hey, Matt, thank you, buddy. Appreciate that, man. Awesome. Like I said, I, I think I'm just done. Or can we just mic drop and go to the potluck now? Is that cool? Is that cool? Cool. Uh, yeah, but not that good. I mean, what am I supposed to do now, you know? So, man, good to see you. Everybody doing well this morning? New City Church, are we doing all right? Well, good morning, guys. Good to see you guys, man. Love you, bud. Thank you, man. Awesome. Awesome. You got lungs like a lion, baby. I tell you, it's fantastic. Well, it's good to see everybody, man. Good, good to be with you this morning. Uh, first service went great. Uh, had a couple of hiccups, uh, uh, you know, like like just dropped the whiteboard. It was awesome. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. It was, like we were bringing it out. So we just kind of left it up there this time. It was like trying to balance it out. It was all crooked when we were up there. I was like writing like this. It was fantastic. So... But yeah, yeah, I got a whiteboard out this morning. It rarely happens, so it's like, it's going to be kind of wild. Uh, you'll get some of my artistic abilities and that kind of thing too. Hopefully, I can draw straight. Don't know if we will or not. Um, but man, good to see you. Good to see you online as well, man. It's been a, a wonderful, wonderful week. We've had such great things going on, and like just great favor from God, man. From yes, yeah, yesterday to today, and all the different things, potluck this afternoon. I'm starving, I'm hungry, you know, so I'm gonna try to get through this. Everybody else is like, yeah, man, come on, let's go. So uh, I told folks 12.15, and so I should get you out of here by two o'clock. So yeah, we, we should be good. But uh, we, are, we are planning to have fun, food, uh, fellowship, football, right? So a little bit of faith going on and everything like that. Hopefully no fruitcake. Uh, I've heard, been, been assured there's no fruitcake today, which is great. But uh, man, if you if you kind of catch you up a little bit, if you have uh, been watching us online, or if you've been in here with us, uh, we have been spending the last several weeks on what we call Seek 2022, where we are surrendering ourselves, embracing uh, what God has told us to do, engaging in what God has called us to do, and we're going to be keeping track of what God has told us to do, and make sure we are as effective as possible. And so we've been doing that. We started last week the Greatest Gift series. Um, and man, this really is a fun, fun time to be part of our church. Like it's just been a, been a real cool thing to, to see. I've had a lot of people that have just started to, I don't know, like wake up in the gospel. It's weird because a couple of years ago, if you recall, we had what, what God said, and this was 2019 when we planned this, we have been in the area in Edgerton for seven years, and it was the seventh year, and God said the mission field is going to rest, which I didn't like very much to hear that from God. I wanted to say, well, come on, let's keep going. Let's keep doing this, keep doing it. God said, hey, the mission field will rest. Last year, God said, you're going to take a time of preparation where you're going to have you're, you're, the people, my people, are going to wake up, we're going to rise up, and we're going to do my work. And so last year, including, or this year, really, uh, what we've seen is that we, our leadership team has grown from five people to 16 people. It's been an amazing transformation of what God has, has done and seen uh, in, in our church. And this year, God said, now that you have rested, now that you have prepared, you're going to reach the lost. You're going to go after them now. It's time for the harvest. Amen, right? 
And this is a beautiful time to be, uh, it's, it's the fun time, right? Because when we're preparing, it's like, okay, is anything happen, right? When we're resting, it's like, okay, are we wasting time? And I was like, no, not according to God. God said, you're going to reach the lost. But here's the thing I want us to be mindful of and thinking about when it comes to reaching lost. We got new people coming to the church, got new believers coming to the church. What are they going to find when they get here? What kind of church are these new believers going to belong to? And what kind of church are we supposed to be? Because quite frankly, it can get confusing to new believers trying to find the church that God wants. Because there's a lot of, and again, I have to be very careful about being critical of the church. I never want to be one of those guys that says the bride of Jesus, which is the church, is so jacked up and so messed up because I hear people say that kind of stuff. I hear it posted on Facebook, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. But here's the deal. There are, the reality is there are local manifestations of the global body of believers that quite frankly, uh, man, are trying to just appease people versus trying to do what God has called us to do. Amen? Like, you see the false teaching or God, whatever you want to talk about. Like, like it's, it's trying to gather people and make them feel good and make them feel nice. And here's the church work we've been talking about the last few weeks. Man, this is a battle. This is a, this is a war we're fighting against, frankly, the, the enemy. Now, we don't have the power to do it in our own selves. It's God who, is, who, is, who has the power to defeat all the enemy and all those kind of things. But we got to understand the battle is absolutely very, very real, right? The enemy's coming after those that we love, and we're going to go after those that we love and rescue them from the enemy. Amen. And so what I want us to do is that the church is going to be made up of different people with different giftings and different wirings and different talents and different abilities, all those kind of things. And what I want us to do is to, I'm going to go ahead and give you the homework for the week. Is that cool? You guys ready for that? All right, it's going to be on your screen. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and Ephesians 4. Let me me repeat that. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and Ephesians 4. You can go into Ephesians 5 as well. But what you're going to see, these are kind of the main areas where God in his word talks about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are something that uh, that are a lot of times taken and, and really misused in a lot of ways and misunderstood in a lot of ways. But what you'll see in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and Ephesians 4, and if you want to, 5, is that there you'll see a pattern. By the way, when I'm reading scripture, I look for patterns. I see them all the time. I'm like, whoa, that's just like this and that, that kind of thing. What you'll see is that whenever God talks about spiritual gifts He's going to talk about the unity of believers. He's going to talk about loving one another. And he's going to talk about seeing others and their giftings as as important. Submitting to one another in love, loving one another. Like it's like being part of a body of believers versus seeing my gift is all important. Here's what happens a lot of times when somebody has the gift of, say, administration. They'll sing, all we got to do is just get organized, get organized, get organized, get organized. By the way, Tony Greasehaber in the sound booth, man, that dude keeps after me. We got to stay organized, man. I'm thank, thank you, Lord, because I don't have that gift, right? 
Some people have a gift of leadership, which I have, there he is. Some people have the gift of leadership, which I do not have. People say, well, but you're leading people and you're leading a church. doesn't mean I can't lead. It means I have to rely on people that have that gift of leadership to get people's attention. If you noticed, when I was trying to get everybody's attention before, nobody listened. And at some point, I, 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 got, I, got, I became okay with that. And I rely on people, hey, could you get somebody's attention? Mitch Cunningham, I'm always reminded of that dude. He was in the first service, right? He always gets, like, he can just say, okay, everybody, everybody just like, boom, pays attention. Like, how you do that? It's a gift, amen? It's a spiritual gift. It doesn't mean I can't lead. It doesn't mean I can't work on leadership. It just means that it doesn't come naturally to me, and we gotta be okay with some of those things. And so spiritual gifting and spiritual gifting also gets weirded out because there is this, in scripture, talking about things like spiritual gift of tongues, which gets all kinds of weird kind of things going on. Like people start misunderstanding. Here's the deal about tongues, okay? I do believe that there is an angelic language according to Paul, what he writes in other scriptures. But the spiritual gift of tongues, every time it's talked about, is talked about being able to speak in languages that people can understand. Like, like it's, it's a wild thing. I've heard, now, I am not saying that the spiritual gift of tongues is, is, is wrong or there's not an angelic language or that people can speak that angelic language. I've actually heard people speak and it's kind of, kind of beautiful. I don't understand it, but there are particular reasons God gives the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians, in, in Romans 12, and in Ephesians. Like, it's amazing to see that every time it's to speak in other languages that people could understand around Jerusalem uh, if you walk in a 50-mile radius around Jerusalem in the first century, you could hear over 500 different lang- languages. To or- in order to spread the gospel, you had to use those gifts. Amen. And so I want us to understand those kind of things. At the same time, the gift that God gives you is not your identity. You are a child of God. If God gives you the gift of prophecies, you're not a prophet. You're a child of God. If God gives you the gift of administration, you're not an administrator, you're a child of God. If he gives you a gift of evangelism, you're not an evangelist, you're a child of God. And why I say that? Because these are spiritual gifts. We've got Christmas time coming up here shortly, right? Some of us are gonna get a PS5 or whatever the latest. I I should do gaming more. Plus, I should probably do a little research or something. I don't know, right? But if you get a PS5, by the way, is that the cool one now? Is that right? PS5? Somebody help me, man. Because I know nothing about gaming. Okay, so let's say you get a PS12. Somebody's going to correct me if I get it wrong. So I'm going to say PS12. So you get one of those PlayStations, right? You are not a PlayStation. You're a child of God. I got, I got a big wheel when I was five. Didn't make me a big wheel, right? Like, I'm a child of God. I was a child of my parents, too. Like, it's it's just those weird things like, yes, I'm this. That's how I identify. No, we've got to make sure we identify the other piece of this when it comes to spiritual gifts. We've got to see the other spiritual gifts as just as important as mine, just as important as yours. Like it's a body kind of thing that God has given us. Let me get into Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And uh, man, I want us to be thinking about that. Like look for this pattern of unity, of love of one another, submitting to one another in love which you'll find in Ephesians 5 as well. Therefore I, starting in verse 1, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, the prisoner for the Lord urge you, begs us, right, to walk worthy of the calling you have received. 
Check this out. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. Does this sound familiar what we just talked about, right? Diligently keeping the unity of the spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of the Messiah's gift. This is why I call this a gift. Some people argue with me and say, no, these are not really gifts. They're actually offices or leanings. Like, well, according to what I'm reading, it says it's the Messiah's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took prisoners into captivity. Literally means led the captives. He gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean? Except that he descended to the lower parts of the earth. By the way, that's where we are. The heavenly realm, and we're at the lower parts of the earth. Um, that right, who ascended far, the one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And verse eleven, check this out. Words are extremely important when we're looking at this, and even if we're not looking at this, they're still important. And he, Jesus, personally gave, this is why these are gifts, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Here's why I really, like, I want us to be honing into these words. Whenever we hear the spiritual gifts, it is always, almost, I shouldn't say always, I try to always, never say never or always, but it, 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 is, it is incredibly important that we, we realize that, that God in his word says it over and over when he gives gifts. Some people get this gift. Some people get this gift. Some people get this gift. And as we grow and mature in the Lord, what we realize is that those gifts are just as important as mine. And we can't be jealous of those other gifts. And we can't think my gift is more important than your gift or vice versa. Amen. Like it's, it's all part of the same Body. Listen to, to the reasons why these are given. Verse 13 or verse, verse 12. These are given for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach what? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. By the way, are people being deceived left and right in the church today? Man, no kidding, right? And I'll tell you what, like, even the enemy will use somebody's spiritual gift to, to, to draw them away. It's, it's pretty wild. Like, oh, yeah, like you, I'll explain that here in just a second by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ, from him the whole body, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Does that sound like we ought to be like siloed, soloed, independent type of people in the church? Absolutely not. 
But we are supposed to be are unified, seeing ourselves as part of a body, right? Yes, we have talents and abilities and gifts that God has given us, but ultimately, we are to use those and submit to one another in love, realizing that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen? And so when we think through those kind of things, here's what tends to happen. I'm gonna kind of make... Uh, make a little fun of folks that maybe are a little bit immature in their gifting or their wiring or things like that. Because here's what will happen. Before I do that, let me, let me talk about the purpose, like help us understand the purpose of these gifts and the results of these gifts. The purpose, back up in verse 12, for the training of the saints. Our gifting is for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until, verse 13, results until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by, measured by Christ's fullness and all God's people said. So we've got all these gifts, right? And we're supposed to see ourselves as part of a bigger body than ourselves, our individuals. How many times, and, and by the way, a lot of people go, have gone to different churches and gone to, you know, like, oh, throughout the years, some people have moved here and then, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Judy, my wife, and I have gone to probably four churches, I think, in our life, four or five, maybe. I mean, as far as like being regular attenders, if I'm remembering that correctly, we've been married 30 years, and we were at our last church, I think, for 17. We've been here, oh, 14. We've been here like nine or something like that. So we're, we don't, don't do a lot of church hopping, church shopping, or anything like that, but we have gone to different churches, and it is amazing to me how when we talk to different people and, and visit with people in the church and see people in the church, how many times so many like, people get these gifts and they think their gift that they have is more important than anybody else's. You ever experienced that? We all experience that, I think, in a lot of ways, right? For example, I'm gonna share with you the apostle that we talked about, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd or the pastor, and the teacher that we learned in Ephesians four. The apostle is somebody, and by the way, people have studied this and looked at this, and this is a little bit more about what like people that like Mike Bream and you know Alan Hirsch and Jim Putman and all these people have, have like dove in, dived in, dive in, dive, dive, dive in, dove in, into this a lot more deeply than I ever could, so I'm just going to use their stuff if that's cool. But the apostle is somebody who's considered the sent one, somebody who hears from God say, I'm going to go reach a new group of people. The prophet are those who hear from God like very intimately. They have a special connection in prayer and those kind of things, and they hear from God. Uh, the evangelist has a, has a great gift of being able to draw people to them and explain the things like, like promote basically what is going on in the church and, and pr like help people understand the, that Jesus is amazing, right? The shepherds have a unique ability to take care of other people in the church. And the teachers have a unique ability to be able to explain things in ways that people can understand them, take complex things and make them a little simple, right? So that people can understand, oh, okay, it makes sense, right? And so what happens is a lot of times, somebody who's new to the faith, they get this spiritual gift and they suddenly think that, that what they, they do is more important than anybody else's. And here's what I mean. If you, and what sometimes will happen is that the church will gather these same kind of gifts around themselves and become this isolated bubble apart from other giftings. Uh, you've probably seen this or experienced this in different uh, 
ways and in different churches and in different settings. For example, if an apostle is immature, they're going to say, uh, they're going to isolate themselves and they're going to say, okay, we're going to go do this. By the way, the apostles love to start stuff. They like that Michael Jackson song. It's like, want to be starting something, right? You want me to do the moonwalk? No? Oh, that sounds like a challenge. Let me practice it. I'll do it next week. Is that okay? But that's, that, that, they, they love to start something. And all new ideas are good ideas. And this is the thing that's going to revolutionize the church. And that's all we got to do now, right? And they'll isolate other people. If they're not careful... They'll, they'll, they'll not get the counsel from people like the prophets. And if they, if they are mature and see themselves as a, a, a bigger part of the body, they'll, they'll see themselves as, got to talk to the prophets. Hey, could you talk to God before we start this new venture? You ever, like, I, I am not really wired as an apostle, but I'm apostolic now that we are starting this, this like, when we started like, reaching people in Edgerton and that, we got to go after them, that kind of thing. Well, Pastor Pete is a prophet. He and I used to butt heads a little bit because I'm like, we're going to go after this. And he would say things like, man, I've prayed about this. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm like, of course it's a good idea. What are you talking about, right? But he, like, I've learned to have him help me to avoid landmines. Like, he saved my skin a few times. I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad I listened to you, right? But a lot of times, if prophets by themselves... It becomes like, it, it's, it's this, it, they can become isolated. They can become depressed a lot of times because they're hearing the truth of God and they know what the truth of God is. They have this intimacy with God and they realize people don't got it either. And they, they, they feel that weight and the pain of a gap between the truth and the intimacy with God and the reality of the, someone's relationship, right? And so they, they can, but they do have this special connection. It's amazing, right? So apostles, if they're immature, every new good idea, every, every new idea is a good idea. We're going to do this today. This is going to be our new direction, right? And that gets old because it takes work. And now we're going to start this way. This is going to be the th- new thing. Prophets, they hear from God. And they have this special, incredible intimacy with God. And they, they pray. They're ones that are praying on their, on their hands and knees, face down, right? Listening to Hillsong or Bethel or something like that at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it, they love it, right? They thrive on it. It brings them energy. Evangelists, they love towing to talking to people about Jesus and telling people about what's going on, right? And bringing people into the, into the body of believers. They have a great and amazing way of doing that. If they're immature evangelists, they'll think somehow that all we got to do is reach the lost. That's all we got to do. And it's not true because there's other giftings, right? Because if you reach the lost and nobody knows what to do with them, then it's going to be a mess. And it can be a, a bunch of evangelists getting, and that's all, it's, uh, all it is about in a church. And by the way, it's fun to be with other people that think like you. It's, it's awesome. But if you're going to build a team, you got to have all these gifts. All right, if you're going to do something together, all these gifts need to be represented, and we need to be moving forward in unity and love and maturity and, love and growth. Amen. And so evangelists, a lot of times, if they're all together in one church and nobody else is invited, it becomes a mile wide and an inch deep. We're just going to bring in new people, bring in new people, bring in. They're going to leave when they start growing and maturing, so find something that, <laughs> that, can, that, that they can they can do with their gifting because every spiritual gift is going to be different. So you're just going to have a bunch of evangelists hanging out. And it's fun, but it doesn't build up the unity. It doesn't train the saints for the work of ministry. It just exercises uh, an itch that people want to have. Amen.
Then you've got the shepherds that love to take care of people. And you may have experienced a bunch of shepherds that get together and a church can become a, a, a mile deep and an inch wide because ultimately they don't want anybody else coming in. We just gotta take care of each other because if we kept bringing new people in, then nobody's gonna take care of them, right? And they see their gifting as more important. And then you got the teachers, which are the worst of the worst. <laughs> I could say that because I've looked in the mirror and said, you're the worst of the worst because I have felt this way, right? Where you get a bunch of teachers together and you've probably been in churches like this where it becomes a theological think tank. I mean, all we got to do is preach the word of God. Well, the word of God don't say that. It's pretty weird, right? It says to your gifting is as important as other giftings even though teaching is celebrated. Like it's very rare that somebody shares on Facebook or somebody, hey, this usually is, listen to this message. It rarely is, hey, look how somebody did a meal train for the sick person, right, in the church, right? Hey, look how somebody really keeps the office organized and keeps the, keeps the things organized and keeps us really, frankly, a lot of times from doing something illegal and stupid and everything like that, Right? Like it, it, like this, that, this, that serious. Look how, look how much they have organized their website. Like nobody celebrates that, but you know what they do celebrate? They go, wow, look how somebody shared the gospel today and they're all important. Isn't it amazing that we miss it because it's all important and we miss it a lot of times because it seems like it's supposed to be important. And when we have these giftings in our lives, we go, I wish I had that other one. Here's the thing, you might you might be weak in something. Like I, I am, like my wiring, the gifting is more is evangelist first, teacher second. And, and those things, I love sharing the gospel. I love talking to people about what's going on at the church. It gives me energy. I could do it all day, right? And I love teaching. And I could, like I could sit here for hours and some of you guys, let's get on with it, man. We gotta go, right? But shepherding and taking care of people actually wears me out. But... It doesn't mean I don't do it. It doesn't mean I don't visit somebody in the hospital. It doesn't mean I don't care for someone that, that, that is in need, but it doesn't give me energy. Does that make sense? You got with me? It doesn't give me an excuse to not do it. It's because, hey, I'm, I'm an evangelist. I don't do that stuff, right? If I'm not wired as a prophet, it doesn't mean I don't pray. It doesn't mean I'm not face down sometimes at two o'clock in the morning. It just means that nobody can demand that everybody does it. I remember sitting with a leader one time and, and, you know, it was, she had built a team that was, that was trying to help us do some things in the church. And she had built a team and she was prophetically wired and she built her entire team with prophets. And so when they got all together and I love prophets, but they got all together and said, we need to make sure people are praying on their hands and knees, face down all night long if they got to. We gotta make sure that they have this kind of stuff going on. And so when they presented their plan to me and uh, to some other leaders in the church, they said, y'all need to be praying all night long. And I just looked at them and I said, and I, cause I, cause I, had, I had challenged her to, to even, like lead in a different way to, to make sure you got other, other giftings and wirings in your, in your group. And she kept coming to me. She goes, I know you're gonna be mad, but I got another prophet because they really aren't, you know. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? That sounds absolutely horrible to me. Now praying doesn't sound horrible to me. I'm not saying that, but I looked, I said, this does not sound fun to me at all. 
Because if I'm face down praying till two o'clock in the morning all night long, I'm thinking I could be going out and sharing the gospel right now, right? My gifting is as important as her gifting, is as important as your gifting, is as important because we're all part of the same body. You'll even hear it said, if the eye says to the hand, hey, I don't need you. If the ear says, hey, I can't see anything, I'm not part of the body. It's kind of ridiculous, right? It's kind of, not like Paul is making fun in 1 Corinthians a little bit of, of people that, that isolate themselves and thinking they're more important than the other giftings. It's absolutely amazing. So let me share this with you. Can you guys hear me okay? In our, in our newsletter that we're gonna have, have out this week, I really want you to pay attention to it because we're gonna have something called a, well, it's a spiritual giftings test. It's your APEST test, a, a apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And it is fivefoldministry.com. Is that right? Did I get it right? Fivefoldministry.com. Take the full test, if you would, please. Um, and hopefully we're gonna be able to collect that information. We're putting some things together. But I want you to find out, because you may go, wow, that's why I feel the way I do in the church. That's why, I, that's why this is important to me in the church. Uh, that's why I want to tell my neighbor about Jesus, right? Or that's why I feel really inclined to pray for my neighbor about Jesus and that they come to know the Lord, right? Like it's those kind of things. That's why I really want to go after that neighbor, right? It's pretty cool. But here's the thing I want to share with you about the spiritual giftings in the church. Keep in mind the results of these gifts are unity, which I'm gonna try to try to make this a little bigger than I did the first service. They said the online folks couldn't hear, couldn't see. And then you've got maturity, right? By the way, if you saw the, uh, the live stream on Thursday night, I literally had to write all this backwards because it was backwards on the live stream. Can you guys see that back there? Is that better? Oh, God, let me change this out. Thank you very much. You can't see with that big old thing in the way, right? It's okay. It's all right. Nah, don't worry about it. It's all good. I got to get a clipboard on that bad boy. It's, hey, at least we didn't drop everything like the first service, right? <laughs> so here's what. So if, if we want unity to increase and maturity to increase, by the way, do we want that in our church? Man. I need some enthusiasm in here. Do we want that in our church? Absolutely, right? Of course we do. If we're going to do that, the apostles, right? And these are, um, I think this is not working here. Hold on. It was working there for a second. Let's see if I, hopefully this, oh, no. Let's see. Come on, baby. Boom, there we go. So we've got to have the apostles that are sent first. These are in order in scripture for a reason. And then you're gonna have the prophets, right? Then you're gonna have the prophets and apostles need to, need to confirm with the prophets, hey, I think we need to go there. Prophets need to pray for it. If they get the green light, then they can send the evangelists out and they can go tell everybody, right? And then with the evangelists, as they bring people into the church, into what's going on, the shepherds can take care of those folks and then... You can teach them, right? It's not the opposite way around. Like we gotta start ministries in such a way that God can bless. If this is God's church, we gotta build it his way, amen. 
Yes, and, and, and so what we, what we see is this pattern exactly how Jesus did it. Think about how he taught the, the 5,000 in Matthew 14, I think, the 4,000 in Matthew, Matthew 15. Is that right? Or vice versa, I'm not sure. Obviously, Jesus is sent. He's an apostle, right? He's a prophet, more than a prophet he's called. And, and somebody had to go out and evangelize and bring all these 5,000 people, 4,000 people, depending on the, 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 the time. There were two times this happened, and he gathered them together. And then what did he do? He, he fed them, took care of their needs. And, and it was only after that that Jesus got in the boat with his disciples and, and taught them. You see this pattern everywhere. It's pretty amazing. It's really cool to see. But then he taught them about the feeding, right? He taught, how, many, how many loaves do we have left over? Don't you guys get this, right, this provision? Because they were like, oh, no. They were all worried about what they, what they had. Oh, we forgot to bring fish. We didn't bring no bread. It's like, fellas. And he taught them, right? Like once we do this Jesus' way, it's, it opens up the church in a way that God can bless, amen. And if we do it and we submit to one another in love, when we see these things as giftings, not as this is who I am, but this is what God has given me and he's given me for his body of believers, for the bride of Christ, for the training of the saints in the work of ministry until we mature, until we unify, until we get to see Jesus face to face. Amen? This is important for us to understand that my gifting and your gifting are important. I, I say this all the time. Those who are connecting people and reaching out to people, making phone calls to people, new, new people in the church, new believers, that kind of thing, you have more important of a role than I do. And I say that because you guys are gonna forget everything I just said within the next 30 minutes. We're going to be eating. We're going to be having some, some cool stuff at the potluck, right? But you're never going to forget somebody that reached out to you and said, hey, we just want to know you're loved. Amen? You with it? Like they, People leave the church so many times, not because of bad teaching or, you know, worship, because your worship is fantastic. Teaching, yeah, you know. But they will always stay. If, if, if somebody leaves our church, it can't be because they weren't loved on and connected to. Amen? And that's the thing, man. So we can have the greatest of all the kind of stuff, all the bells and whistles, and if people aren't loved on and connected to, doesn't matter. And so I want us to be thinking about what wires you. Yes, it's awesome. But also be thinking about don't just put people around you that are wired just like you. If you're going to build a team, if you're going to build a ministry, if you're going to do anything at all, it's got to be with that in mind. Amen. Let me pray for us, and we'll get rolling. Hope this is helpful to you guys. God, Father, we love you. And we're thankful for you. Thankful for all the crazy stuff going on. I don't know what's happening, what's, what I'm getting caught on here, but I'm clicking on, on my collar or something. I don't know. But uh, Lord, thank you for even overcoming all the distractions this morning, if there are any. Um, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the food we're about to eat. Thank you for the, 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 the football we're about to watch. Thank you for the the fun we're about to have together. Lord, may we understand that these gifts are from you. You are just like in James, it says, 
that every gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. That's you. And thank you for these gifts, Lord. We love you, and we trust you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Guys, let's go eat. We're getting in reports from all around the globe showing the